we're each building our own simple life and unique journey. And there's a lyric or a couple of lyrics that I'll share with you and just help frame the session. And that's about you find someone, the only one, it's your special one. Take them by the hand, you make a stand, buy some land and build a life. That's called Raise Them Up. And that was something for me that really shapes who we are. We're building a life. You know, each of us, it's got a different dimension or, or aspects to it. For some of us, that's build a legacy. And whether that's a giant monument or whether that's behaviours for you or your children or perhaps even grandchildren. But it's inherently simple. And for us as professionals and what we do, we're supporting someone's life's work. We're supporting their journey. And we're doing that providing financial security. So as much as there's complexity around rules, around all sorts of legislation, tax rates, what we do as a profession helps people live their life. And where that links to risk and return is where I'd like to take our great debate. We're thinking about, you know, one thing, one thing to remember, multi-asset portfolios, so we can define those in various ways, but ultimately a collection of investments put together in a way that provides some outcome. And the focus, risk and return. So that isn't tracking error peer groups, not your future, your super. Risk and return. And thinking about my career and thinking about uh, my life's journey. My grandfather, very frugal, very sort of hardworking, was on a farm of not insignificant size. We spent a lot of time as kids there. 300 acres, hard work, frugal living, build a legacy. So I've got three things to talk about and then I'm going to go down in my, my landing page. So the first thing I want to talk about, superannuation, superannuation, super, super, super laws, concessional contributions, all this complexity. But what is the system? There's a little hint there because I've sort of set it out as retirement savings. So we've got this system, this big pile of capital to help people in their retirement. So across all this collection of what our industry is, as a profession, what we come together to do, in aggregate we've got, what, two trillion? Oh, a bit higher than that. Two and a half? Three, three. Three, three and a half trillion. A lot of dollars. Why does that exist? Why do we exist to help people? Ultimately, we're helping people in their life's journey. That we're securing it and providing that in the strategies we provide. So for your end client, depending on where you are, or each of us has a role in doing so as a professional, but for your end client, I want to help you be secure in your investment journey. I want to help you secure your retirement. Investment fundamentals. So a whole right, wide range of asset classes, and I had a mentor of mine. Uh, he's unfortunately now passed away, but worked for him. And when you think about a time horizon, you think of a yield curve, he then framed this extend it across sort of risk dimension to be a surface. So across this yield term, if, I'm, if we were to curve going up there of increased return over time horizon, some sort of surface. And that's traditionally fixed income investments. If we move into you know, maybe equity-like or, or, or income-orientated equities, then we have this full surface out over time. Now that's this range of investment options. Huge complexity, huge industry supporting that, ultimately to deliver some combination of things. Here we've got a whole range of things and very um, great tech, a mixing board, and I've kind of gone a bit analog in my view of these dials. So of all investments and investment fundamentals, how much of each of them are we actually seeking? So rather than maybe a mixing board, I've got my old fashioned 
analog um, dial here. So with fundamentals and thinking about, in this case, a 30-year-old. 30-year-old, yeah, that's pretty good. What are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to deliver some growth in that capital and grow it over time. Oh, yeah, I get that. 30-year-old, grow my invested capital. Other elements of that are, oh, in my total return journey, maybe some income sprinkled in there. Yeah, 30 years old, maybe some's okay, like a quality business that's cash generative, it's gonna earn solid cash flows, solid profit, reliability, pays dividends, maybe some franking credits. Okay, well, that's probably not too bad. So I've just added the annotation there and you know, dialing up with my analog dials, dialing up our growth, and really not much in the way of meaningful income. And that sort of makes sense. And you probably think about this and for a default my super balanced growth, that probably looks kind of like this client. Now, as we go through that journey and go through life's journey, perhaps a 60 year old. Well, I'm actually not looking as a, let's just say a 60 year old, I'm actually not looking for a whole lot of growth. I want a meaningful income because that's what I want to live on. But what's the most important thing? You speak to someone in the conversations I've had, you speak to somebody about grow my assets, yeah, give me some income. The one thing, don't lose my money. So when we're building multi-asset class portfolios, we're doing so to help people on their journey and to secure their life's work. There's a dimension of growth, meaningful income, the missing link, and really that cornerstone is don't lose my money. Now I frame this in a nice alliteration of grow invested capital, guard it along the way, generate meaningful income. Each of us will have their own unique settings. The 30-year-old, yeah, like realistically, I'm 30, 40 years away from retirement. Building out to 60-year-old, it's much higher. So how then do I incorporate those elements in my multi-asset class portfolio? Risk and return. But fundamentally, for all the complexity, I'll come back to that surface, for all the complexity and the range of investments, ultimately they're looking to deliver some combination of growth, perhaps some income, and a contribution in either diversifying, securing, or altering payoffs as to how this capital and how this journey is going to work. Let's think about a do-nothing scenario, climate, do-nothing scenario. You might think we've got enough bears, polar bear, brown bear, black bear, sun bear, koala bear, yeah, maybe that's not quite right. A polar bear. Polar bear on an ice cap in the Arctic looking who's going to help. Can anyone else see the ice melting? Can anyone else on the polar bear? So we visualise what that polar bear is. It's part of natural diversity. It's part of us as, you know, we're an inhabitant on a planet, a beautiful planet, a wondrous planet. Amongst that, billions of people are living their investment, living their lives, building their life's work. What's their journey? So the polar bears, we don't do anything. We do nothing. That polar bear is currently threatened. And the polar bear, as we go through, doing nothing, could become endangered, may actually be extinct. Thinking about genuine, risk-aware strategies, those that focus on absolute risk and return outcomes. Under a do-nothing approach in the environment and landscape we're in, they're definitely a threatened species. 100%. Polar bears, risk reward, risk aware strategies, trend. So whether that's investment beliefs, I believe in 
the range and diversity and resilience and don't lose my money. Whether that's the diversity and, and landscape of available strategies. And maybe entrepreneurial view of, well, big organisations, I'm actually not captured by this, your future, your super rules and legislation. Yeah, this is my opportunity. I can get out there and really speak to those clients, speak to them about the strategies that I offer, aware and not sort of captured in this current, this current view. So thinking about just those three things I said, what is it, superannuation system, why does it exist to help people live their life, live their best life, build your dreams. We've got elements and dimensions and a cornerstone coming in around risk aware. And, you know, ultimately, us as an industry, all of us are professionals, and that point of, I'm an investment professional. There's a significant amount of training, there's a significant amount of experience, there's a fairly, generally a fairly large informational disadvantage, and we've got a fiduciary duty. Things like ethics. How do I behave? How do I act in my client's best interest? And I'd like to set out that this system of which we're in a profession as professionals, as I set out my key debate question, is we're securing who's super and future. So when you're building portfolios, Think about your end client. It's not every client, but think about those dials. I want to grow invested capital. What dimension have guarded along the way and I'll generate meaningful income? Because ultimately that's what we're trying to do across the spectrum. And in doing so, as an industry, in the superannuation, as an industry of professionals and a framework under a 30-year-old default my super option, maximising returns, where as an industry, we have the option and we have the ability to help maximise the likelihood of clients achieving their investment objectives. So I said at the start of this, who's sort of with me? No, that was this side was with me. Who's with me? Who's against me? Um, I'm interested in the discussion, in the thoughts around this and the practical implications. In conclusion, if you do one thing, stand with your clients and help them achieve their objectives. I think I'll start a little bit like I did in my presentation with the kind of investment beliefs. And do you believe you can construct one efficient, optimal portfolio to capture all those risks. Maybe you can. Uh, in the team that I'm in and the investment philosophy and our beliefs really start with, to say on what's going to happen or with any likelihood all of those events is inherently difficult, if not impossible. If someone tells you they can, maybe they can. There's a wide range of potential outcomes. So rather than just one thing and optimising and I think you mentioned 71, 29, and, and really refining down on the fine tuning. If you think about this range of possible outcomes, and, and sure, build something up in probability framework or scenarios that could happen, but around that one point, what if you built robust portfolios to a wide range of things that can happen? And in terms of you know, maybe a, a, little, a complex or, or something that a former colleague of mine talked about was this convergent divergent strategy. So things where 
you know, risk premium or something are converging, and elements where if they're diverging. So pieces fundamentally that, maybe a simpler way is to say, can play offense, and then elements very deliberately that play defense. And it's the combination of those together set in a framework of, well, I actually don't know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna build a robust portfolio for what I see is maybe a central case is a probability weighted case if I got really technical, but I don't understand the left and right tails. I want to build robustness into that and have deliberate pieces that will not just diversify, that will actually protect my capital. And in doing so, that's an approach that has been implemented in, in many years in, by various firms, but I think that starts with the belief you don't know everything, you can't possibly capture all these risks. Be humble and then build that robustness by design into your portfolio construction process. So for an Australian equity program, Australian equity, single investment, single fund. Under this investment industry, the industry we're in now, the landscape we're in now, that Australian equity strategy has a like, traditional beta of around 0.8. It delivers a volatility 25, 30% less than a traditional index does. Now that strategy over time seeks to keep pace with the headline index. That strategy keeps pace with the headline index, but with 25 to 30% less volatility. Who values that strategy explicitly? Who's on board, employing, seeking out these managers? Who's seeking out managers that have an ability to collar, an ability to write call options on a single stock and harvest volatility, an ability to put puts into actually protect capital? Who values that? And a little like the natural diversity of the polar bear, most of us would value that polar bear in the same way I believe we all should value risk and reward at an absolute level. So Aussie equity, 0.8 beta, 25% less variability is valuable. It's not supported. It's, not, it's marked purely on return in traditional benchmarks in a traditional setting. And under your future, your super strategic asset allocation, there's a weight of industry pressure against that type of strategy. If we're helping and assisting clients to secure that journey, the fundamental measurement of risk under this framework I've set out today is them not meeting those objectives. And they could meet it for a whole range of reasons. It could be a medical issue, it could be you know, divorce, you choose the wrong person, you're in some sort of accident, a range of things happen. So fundamentally, what we can do to maximise the likelihood of clients achieving those objectives, that has to be, like, for this session, I'll step over here, there has to be for this session the overarching view of risk. It is, I don't believe, about tracking error, not necessarily, like volatility is a measure of how variable something is likely to be, but certainly tracking error, um, those sort of traditional measures are far and away and distinct from the actual objectives being satisfied. And those actual objectives of, I don't need all the money in the world. I want to live in this house, I want to have no mortgage, maybe I've got a coast house or something, I want to travel, I want to provide this framework and foundation of memories to share those with my partner, my friends, and do so. So back to the risk measure, not meeting those objectives, understanding what those client objectives really are, and sometimes that's the art and the skill in our profession to tease those out and define what they are. But the traditional measures um, can be lacking in that area, Something that we do within our business is think about the downside 
variability, so under a worst 5% of scenarios or a worst 10% of scenarios, how does this robust portfolio construction look and one versus the other, how we're building those portfolios. So volatility, perceived volatility, um, valuation sort of around that. And I think, you know, locally we're in the midst of, or coming, yeah, I'd say we're in the midst of reporting season. Businesses giving updates on, you know, how they're viewing the world. Um, a big part of the current complex, and I'll borrow from a colleague of mine, this concept of mind the gap. So mind the gap between real economy, financial economy, mind the gap between various asset classes, sub-asset class, sectors, in, even individual stocks. And something like, I don't know, Treasury Wine, they have a luxury business, premium, commercial. That luxury business, there's no change. It's going from strength to strength. So there's a cohort where from here we could double interest rates. Very little impact. And for those who have secured their investment journey and secured their life's work, great, good on them. The volatility and what we potentially can see, one of the greatest elements of that is in valuation, I believe, in valuations being at a level that is far and away and beyond the likelihood of it being consistently delivered. So magnificent stocks exist, whether it's seven or five or a greater number, this viewpoint of stocks having those attributes going to a ridiculous valuation and being ultimately a more speculative investment decision, when that type of investment unravels, it a multiple halving from some enormous number, that's a huge destruction of capital. So that's probably, in terms of volatility and concentrating in, in potentially even traditional indices and equities, concentrating in on that one thing dominated by very high valuations in things that are, and I'm sure some of them will be, revolutionising and revolutionising the world. Um, I don't believe all of them will be, and the valuation paid into the future for that sort of growth uh, is something that you know, ultimately was a risk of losing money. So how, and in a portfolio, you know, those elements that are more defence orientated or foundation of income, diversifying across, I set out that surface and where you're seeing really strong opportunities um, a combination of listed and unlisted markets. Um, really trying to be deliberate in portfolio construction, building it with purpose, and building it ultimately aligned with the objectives of your end client or cohort of end clients. So thinking about fee level, um, I might take it with a risk dimension and apply that in a traditional or what would be classed as a fixed income program. So incredibly low fee or, or pursuing a low fee outcome into an asset class where you have, I believe, and our, philosophy, our philosophical understanding is you want to be managing the risk to ensure you get paid at the end, so ensure you get that regular in income stream. So doing so in a way at low fee or very high efficiency without an active dimension, without a risk awareness, um, over a long period it may actually deliver well. If you're stepping into credit, um, into the sort of realms of investment grade, and then stepping further into sub-investment grade, and looking at those elements to diversify a portfolio, you want those managers who have capability, established relationships, and you know, for something like a wholesale lending trust, 
the origination of mortgages into non-bank financials, that's really specialist. And if you want a partnering working in that way, it's not something you replicate at low fee. It's something you want to partner with, pay a reasonable fee, but understand the net outcome. I understand there was a private equity session sort of around this as well in unlisted investments, but pay an appropriate price for an expected outcome. All investing is ultimately one or a combination of things. We're deploying capital at a level of risk for an expected outcome. Doing it over a time horizon at an appropriate fee level. That's all we're doing. Everything we do, that framework, get the risk right, get the understanding of what it's seeking to achieve, what roles in the portfolio, deploy capital that way. And you know, fee can be very low, fee can be reasonably high, do so in that way that contributes purposely for your clients. I think the probability at a downside, and if I take 5%, or maybe even I take 10%, 10%, those very worst 10% outcomes, how much money am I going to lose or likely to lose? Rule of thumb, and there may be levels set there, but at the very, very 10% worst outcome, if I'm looking at a 10% drawdown, that's kind of, to me, feels about right in, in finding that scenarios-based approach.